Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Learn to Love podcast, your guide to everything love, sex, intimacy, and relationships. Each week, your host, Zach Beach, interviews new experts on love, including couples therapists, relationship coaches, sex educators, and best-selling authors. Learn the best tips and cutting-edge wisdom to better love yourself, others, and the world. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome everyone to the Learn to Love podcast. I am your host, Zach Beach, and I'm here with the incredible May Vu. Hello, May, and welcome to the show. Hi, Zach. Thank you. Our topic for today is on being loved, adored, and cherished. But before we get into that, Let's learn a little bit more about May. For those that don't know, May Ru is a master coach, relationship style expert, public speaker, and the best-selling author of The Divorced Mom's Guide to Dating. She's been featured on CBS, Fox, NBC, and ABC, as well as publications such as The Entrepreneur Magazine and Wealthy Women Magazine. She's worked with over 2,000 clients worldwide and has trained over 1,000 life coaches through two international coaching training schools. May is focused on changing how women across the world work, love, and lead with a passion to help all women have an awe-inspiring life, successful six-figure business, hot love, thriving children, and the freedom to travel. Hello, May. Hi, Zach. <laughs> That's a tall order right there. Awe-inspiring life, successful six-figure business, hot love, thriving children, and the freedom to travel. How in the world do you go about doing that? Do you know about that YouTube video, the the wife hack? Have you seen that video where these this this man this he has a beer belly and it, you guys should just Google it. It's called wife hack. Uh, oh no, the crazy matrix. Sorry, the crazy matrix. Have you seen that one? Where this guy talked about how the woman that you should be dating or shouldn't be dating. And then there's this quarter, this little tiny edge of, of, of demographic that is like, you know, there are these women that are not crazy, but they're good looking. And, you know, basically they don't exist. They're like unicorn. And if you see them, you should, capture them so that they can do studies on them. It's a really funny uh, video on the crazy matrix. And they talk about how most women are crazy. And if they're the more beautiful they are, the crazier they are. And uh, anyways, it's very unflattering. However, it's also very real. And it really speaks to the pain that men face when, um, when in relationship with women and the, the, the thing that everybody wants is to have to have loved, adored, and cherished. You know, to be loved, adored, and cherished by each other, and yet they can't seem to go at it. And when we go at it from the traditional thought, the traditional ways, we always end up <laughs> either in a dead marriage or in divorce. So I have gone through that myself, and and I scratch my head and ask myself, what the fuck happened? And I was determined to figure out the answer to that question. And that's what I've been able to help myself and other women around the world 
to answer the question, what the fuck happened? And how do I avoid repeating those mistakes again? Mm. So I heard so many things. I First I heard is that we all need to be loved, adored, and cherished. Why do you think that is? It's a human hunger. Um, myself, uh, first of all, when I first heard that sen- that statement when I was younger, I thought to myself, ah, to be loved is good, but to be adored and cherished, nah, I don't need that. That's for someone else, you know? Uh, for me, I just want a loyal guy who loves me and work really hard to build a family together with me, and together we live quote-unquote, happily ever after, and we grow old and sit on the front porch with each other. And that's exactly what I had. I had a really loyal guy as my husband. We bought a small little house in a town called Pleasanton. We had a a little kid. And yet, instead of us growing older and happier together, we end up not being seen by each other. We did everything we could to be good to each other, and yet we end up in a dead-end marriage. So I had to ask myself, well, how could to be loved is not good enough? What else does I need? And then the answer was, oh, I didn't just want to be loved. I want to be loved and then adored and then cherished. Those three components is what makes the relationship hot and lasting. Without all three components, your relationship dies. Ah, I see. So these are three different aspects that you are describing, is that many people go into a relationship simply looking for love, and they forget about the adoration and being cherished. Yes. And what does that mean? What does adoration mean? And what does being cherished mean? And and why is being loved not good enough, right? So Mm -hmm. can we define that for for the audience? Yeah, tell us. Okay. What does adoration mean to you? And why is it so important? Adoration is where the fun part is. So to be loved is like, you know, I'm good to him. He's good to me. I love him. We're loyal to each other. And it could run really deep, but there isn't excitement. There isn't fun and play and flirt. All of that goes away after the first year or so or when the kid comes. So a lot of couples forget the adoration part and they just think of the responsibilities part. So it's not fun anymore. It's now just duties and responsibilities from just being loved. So mm-hmm. we need the adoration. We need the flirt. We need uh, what I call, you know, the man has to rise into his king. When a man rises into his king, it's really hot. And then the woman can shift out of her hardworking peasant woman into this beautiful, luscious princess that, she used to be when she was younger she was beautiful she put herself together she remember who she is she put herself first but when she's married and and get into relationship somehow she puts him first and the kid first and the house first and the job first and then she forgets herself so that's where adoration comes in is when we adore each other it adds the fun back Mm. and what about being cherished being cherished I actually had to look up what the word being cherished means. And to my surprise and delight, the definition that I saw on Google was to be cherished means to be revered. I'm like, whoa, that's a little bit much. But it really is important. What does it mean to be revered by your partner? That means 
that you have a purpose in this lifetime and you're out there doing your purpose and your partner see the value in who you are and what you stand for in this world and they respect you so much they revere your dream and they help you make it happen. I believe that we need all three components. We need the hard working of to be loved, part place where we have a solid foundation, but we also need the fun and the and and the juiciness of to be adored, and then we also need to be cherished. That means to be respected, to be um, to be revered. In we have a purpose in this world that keeps the attention. And I I think of mm-hmm. Melinda Gates and Bill Gates. They have all three of those components. If you watch their their um, documentary on Netflix, I can see all three of those components. They have a solid relationship they raise good healthy children you know they do all that basic stuff and then they are also even now they talk about each other they adore each other but what's even more important is they revere each other's purpose in life he respects Mm. her purpose and she respects his purpose without that we lose the respect and and the relationship goes dead Yeah, I see that. I mean, I'm hearing that you're talking about first your personal experience, that this is something that you discovered in your first marriage and divorce. And now you help uh, women who also feel that they're in marriages which aren't fully serving them. So if you have a client and they're a woman and they're like, you know what, I feel this way all the time. I don't feel adored and I don't feel cherished. What do you tell this person? Do you tell them to get divorced and find a new husband who adores and cherishes them? Or do you tell them how to work through these problems in their current marriage? Most women, who are, the way you describe, they usually come to me because deep down inside, they secretly want a divorce or to kill their husband and their children. <laughs> They've had it. <laughs> because they, they, nobody comes to a divorce and dating again coach when you're married because that there's so much stigma right there's something wrong with you if you would do that um Mm. and but what's been happening is that when i started working with these women they think that that working with me will help them just like get out of their marriage but actually i end up helping them fall madly in love with their husband again i help them turn their patterns of strong woman, I call it the peasant woman pattern, where she's so strong and she does everything and she carries everybody and she walks on eggshells trying to make everybody happy and and she thinks she's the only one that solved the problems and everybody relies on her and she just hopes that if she would just work hard enough that people would see her value and would honor her and her husband would love her and her kids would respect her. But all she gets is neglect and abuse and um, disconnection. So she, that's why she started asking the question, what the fuck? How, how is it that I work so hard and I end up here? I actually help her learn how to love herself and not work so hard and reconnect with her husband so that he can step up and be the king that, that she has always wanted. For some mm-hmm. crazy, unfortunate reason, it's not crazy as an unknown, but there's patterns here. Women who are so competent and give everything to the relationship end up, like me, divorced. (laughs) And the husband just look at you and go, 
I really love you, but I don't feel passionate about you, and I don't want to go another 30 years with you. It is the greatest mm. insult. So what does that reconnecting with the husband look like exactly? Does it look like, honey, uh, we need to talk? Does it look oh like... Oh, God, no. <laughs> I tell women to stop talking to their husband because all they do is they're so angry that they just beat their husband with their words. Mm. And mm-hmm. the husband just tune out because, you know, who wants to be talked to? so i say for women who are dating i tell them to stop dating and for women who are married i tell them to stop talking to your husband (laughs) please don't talk to him yes because like i said you know when you're in this state where your relationship is about to fall apart what you have to say is mostly anger and blame and resentment Mm -hmm. and it doesn't help bridge the gap it actually makes the gap bigger. What they need is they need to know how to talk to themselves. They need to know how mm-hmm. to heal their own wounded um, part inside them that have they have accumulated since they were a child. Uh, everything that shows up in the relationship with the husbands are just mirrors of the patterns that they learn as a child. So there's a whole bunch of wounded children inside us to yeah. um, that is in this relationship. So. I teach them how to listen to themselves, listen to their rant and their pain and their sad stories mm-hmm. and have patience with themselves and truly like your tagline, learn to love, learn to love themselves again. Um, so that from there, once they know how to take care of the part inside them that is so angry and so hurt, um, then suddenly their relationship with their husband changed. They don't even have to say a damn thing to their husband. Yeah, that, that reminds me of the phrase that behind every attack is a wound to be healed. Yeah. And what I'm hearing from you is that these women in unhappy marriages, so much blame and so much criticism gets projected onto their partner because of these unattended wounds. And by yeah. working on oneself, listening to within then they can come back to the relationship from a place of, what would you say, like just compassion and understanding? Or after they listen to themselves and then return to their partner, what kind of an attitude do you encourage them to bring? We all want love. But to be honest, we don't really know how to love. You know this. Mm. We were just talking about how you said love is a set of skills. It's not It's not a meeting, a chance meeting of someone who's like, he's the one or she's the one, and then you live happily ever after. If only it was that simple, right? And mm-hmm. um, But it's not that simple. So it's, it's a whole set of skills. So I actually teach them to love themselves, and I also teach them to love other women. <laughs> they're, uh, part of the reason that women are so angry is they're so alone in this world and they don't know how to love. They know how to do codependency love, but they don't know how to love healthily and they don't know how to let love in. Uh, let love in mm. is one of my big statements and I even have like a body gesture. You, you, you look at my Facebook and all my women are always in this position of hands up in the sky and letting love in because we hunger for love, we chase after love, but the I, the irony is we don't know how to let love in. Mm. And then for those who barely let love in, the next thing they don't know how to do is they don't know how to keep the love. And then if they 
get to keep the love. They don't know how to grow the love. They know how to kill the love, but they don't know how to grow the love. So most relationships, you know, we all see this. We get together and it's all sparkly and pretty in the beginning. And then three months, six months, 10 years, 30 years, it just dies. There's a reason Mm -hmm. for that. Yeah. That's beautiful. I'm hearing you let love in, you keep love, and then you grow love. Yes. So would you find that, I mean, somebody in an unhappy marriage is that the love is there, but it's not being let in and kept and grown? I think so. Unless there's like some major abuse issues. And and frankly, if there is abuse issues, he if he's doing the abusing of her, he himself does not know love. He hasn't been loved and he doesn't know how to let love in and he doesn't know how to be guided. And mm-hmm. if she's abusing him, same thing. Um, and another thing too is, another thing that I, I just, I remember uh, is that the women seem to look to the man for the direction of the relationship. Women don't mm-hmm. realize that we are the inspiration of the relationship. It's our job to take our place so that the man will rise up to meet us. We keep lowering ourselves down to make the man love us. Mm. This one is very old. It comes from crazy different culture. Each culture has a reason for this. Um, but as soon as a woman realizes that it is her job to be the inspiration of the relationship, and it is her, um, she's the one that set the standard of how she should be treated. That's mm-hmm. when things start to change. Not from a demanding way, from a soft adoration way. Yeah. So you tell women to take charge a little bit of their relationships. First, I teach them how to love themselves. Then mm-hmm. they start to grow younger and softer. When you go younger and softer, you open the door for love to come in. You, may, you are more accessible to your husband or your man to love, adore you. And then I also remind them or help them find their purpose in life, why they are here in this time of history. When they have a sense of purpose, then they have respect for themselves. When they have respect for themselves, their men suddenly respect them because Mm. we set the inspiration for Mm -hmm. the relationship. Nice. Um, I liked how in the beginning of this conversation, you mentioned how you help a lot of women discover what the fuck just happened. Uh, in their previous marriage and now that they are divorced. And I'm imagining some listeners are like, oh my God, that's what just happened to me. And I'm hearing about your Divorced Mom's Guide to Dating. And I'm wondering what your advice is for a divorced mom who is looking for a new partner. Ah, so many things. So um, what I found is that divorced moms who are dating again have a lot of shame. First of all, they have a shame that they're divorced. And then they have a shame that they have children. They actually feel very apologetic deep inside that they have children and that their children is an inconvenience to the new man. On the other side, they're also afraid of dating and they're afraid of of rejection. So then they hide behind their children and their obligation in order to not date. <laughs> They are online looking and talking and wasting a lot of time. However, when it comes time to meet, 
they will create some kind of drama. Their child needs them or whatever. Or the, if they don't have real children, they have dog children or cat children. And then somebody is throwing <laughs> up a hairball or something so that they can cancel the date. So before you do all the hard work of dating, you should stop. You should tend to yourself first because mm. don't be like one of those women out there who are busy searching, looking through the internet, dealing with text and all this stuff that goes nowhere when deep down inside you're not, you haven't been ready to let love in. So what does that look like? The self-work that you would need to do in order to enter the dating scene from just a place of empowerment? This is so easy, easier said than done. And you hear this from all gurus and all textbooks, right? You got to love yourself first. And everybody go, yeah, 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 I do. <laughs> no, <we don't>. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. Um, how do you know if you do love yourself? It's good question. Uh, yeah, right. How do you know if you do love yourself? Well, come play with me, Zach. I'm sure you see this out there too. How do you know when a woman? What are some indication that a person loves themselves or not love themselves? Well, it's definitely a fine line, right, between something like self love and self indulgence, or something like self self esteem, and what you might see as like narcissism. But for me. An important component of self-love is simply just friendliness, is just shifting from being your own worst critic to your own best friend. You know... So pretty! I said the same <laughs> thing, right? It's like, what do you say to yourself when you look in the mirror? Do you say, Jesus Christ, how many more times do you have to do this? Why don't you get this by now? You're 40-something or you're 50-something. You Right? That tape goes on and on and on and on in people's heads versus what what does it sound like Zach if they are their own best friend you know I think of that reassuring best friend who tells you that everything is going to be okay mm. that friend who you say something like I'm so ugly and they say no you're not you're so beautiful and it, a best friend also like recognizes you have emotional needs and is uh willing to put forth a certain effort to get those needs met. You know, if you come home and you say, wow, I just had a really challenging day at work, your friend might be like, let's go for a walk. Like, let's go relax. Let's go out for drinks. Like, let's do something to help ourselves in this current situation. Yeah. Rather than lament on what is happening in your life. Right? When I lay down every single time now, I just go, oh, you're just a bomb today. You're awesome. Oh my gosh, you know, I'm so proud of you. I can't believe you did that today. That was a great interview. Oh my gosh, you know, you gave <laughs> your hundred today. So that actually goes not through my head now. It hasn't wow. always been this way. <laughs> you know? But I, I truly just feel so happy with myself, no matter... Even when I fail, you know, like I get on stage and I fumble or whatever, and I'm like, oh, yeah, mm -hmm. we really sucked today, didn't we? Yeah, that was really embarrassing. I'm so sorry. You know, well, it's okay. It's not as bad as I think. It's going to be all right. You know, the fact is you got on stage. That's what matters. Have those kind of tapes in your head instead of the 
the judgment and the punishment taste that people have. So that's one, one thing. Another thing that you know if you love yourself is the kind of friends that you're surrounded with. Are you around, mm-hmm. do you have people that constantly judge themselves or are you, do you have people that are uplifting? Cause they mirror you. Mm-hmm. I love all the things that you said about loving yourself. And you also mentioned you weren't always in this place. So I kind of have a two-part question. One is, how did you transition from being your own uh, worst critic to being your own best friend? And tying it into what you just said about friends, did you find a new friend group? Or were you just more like affirming with your friends about the type of behavior or expectations you want from them? The first, I'll answer the second question first because it's easier. What I find is that friends, uh, they they graduate, (laughs) you know, certain sets of friends just suddenly show up and then they graduate. And then the next sets of friends come in as I change, as my life circumstance change, I Mm. am now, um, uh, I'm now okay. I'm, I'm, I am accepting of myself that it's okay when somebody doesn't want to be my friend anymore. And I'm, I'm okay with that. Before, I, it used to hurt me a lot, and I used to wonder why, why they, why they don't like me. Why, what did I say wrong or whatever? Now it's like, eh, okay, well, if they can't handle my truth, or if I was too blunt, I'm sorry, and if that's all it takes for them to walk away from me, well, that's that's just how that goes. Mm-hmm. There's so many people in the world to love, so I'm not I'm not hanging on to to one or two anymore. Try to make them. Um, but the, your, the answer to your first question is, how did I develop self-love? Um, I think divorce does it. <laughs> for me, anyway. What? Divorce did it for me. Um, you know, I, I, was, I was trying so hard to keep everything going. I, I was there for him, for me, for our child. I was, and he was there too. It's nobody's fault, but, we ended up in this place and, and I remember the time, um, we were separated for about six months and his mom died in a car accident. So it pulled me back home and we went to a funeral together. Me, him and our four year old daughter at that time. And we spent a whole day together and my daughter was so happy to have both mom and dad together and she gets to hold dad's hand on one hand and mom's hand on the other and she did the swing thing between, you know, so she's like, oh yeah, it's back kind of thing. And we were driving home along Highway 101 on um, from Santa Barbara and it was raining like cats and dogs and she's sleeping in the back. And so I thought I'd give it another try. I just said, hey what are we doing? You know, should we give it another try? Should we go to counseling? Should we um, try to save this? And he didn't say anything for the longest time. And then finally he didn't even look at me. He just looked straight ahead and he said, no, I'm done. I don't want to work on this anymore. And Zach, my face, energetically, I can feel the crack on my face. It just went, (laughs) and it's just like everything just crumbled. And I just sat there and I just thought, what the fuck? (laughs) There's that person again. And I just thought, never again will I allow this to ever happen to me again. Mm. That someone would reject me, that that a man would not do 
anything to bring me back. You know, like I only will want to be with someone who chased me to the highest mountain and the lowest river to get me rather than, rather than accepting mediocre like that. Oh my God. I can't even believe that I had to ask and then to, to sit through that answer. Then in that moment, I just decided that I'm my own best friend. I will never let that happen to me again. So mm. I hope that every woman remember this moment in their life where they decide that they're going to do any, everything in their power to learn how to love themselves, whatever class it takes, whatever practice it takes, so that they will never put themselves in a position where a man, a woman, a friend, whatever, to look at them and say, no, I don't want to work on it with you anymore. You're not worth it. <laughs> you know, that reminds me of the inspiring stories that you sometimes hear about people who get kind of like a terminal diagnosis, like maybe they get a cancer diagnosis, and it shifts their entire perspective on life. And they, it becomes an enormous wake-up call that we live for today and to be true to our friends and true to ourselves. And what I'm almost hearing from you is that a divorce, as heartbreaking as it can be, as challenging as it can be, it can be an enormous wake-up call about what we're doing that isn't serving us and isn't serving the people around us. And then once we are able to identify those behaviors is we can commit to not doing them any further. Do you find that in your work and working with people through the divorce, pre-divorce, post-divorce, do you see transformations in the people that you work with? Oh my gosh. Anyone who's worked with me and who stayed through my, my program, uh, I can guarantee it. I can guarantee if they work at this level, I can guarantee they'll get this kind of success. And if they work at this level, the higher level, they will get. It really depends on how much they want it. If they are serious, they're going to get it, the transformation more than they could imagine. And um, I could even time it. I could tell you when a woman is going to feel better. I could tell you when she is going to grow younger, you actually will see them growing younger and more beautiful as they wow. learn to let love in. And then once that happens, then they're ready to start meeting real good men. Um, and they will see the the caliber of men that they they draw to them. It's uh it's like clockwork now. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. Um, I wouldn't mind shifting a little bit because part of me is just wondering the sort of logistics around dating. I'm sure many people have who have been married for 20, 25, 30 years, and then maybe they were even married when they were with their high school sweetheart and they've had one other partner in their life. And now they're thrown into this crazy scene and sometimes it has dating apps and sometimes people tell you to go to the singles event or the yeah. speed dating. Um, what do you tell somebody who's just overwhelmed and they feel so lost and they don't know where to begin? How am I going to meet, you know, another human being in yeah. an intimate setting? Right. So it's a gradual process. So the first thing I say to them is stop dating. If you are overwhelmed or if you have been dating and you've been hurting yourself and you're not feeling 
more confident. The more you date, the more confident you should become. If you're not becoming more confident, then you should stop dating because you're just repeating old patterns that is not working for you. So give me three months so that I can help shore you up and teach you how to love yourself and walk into a date with self-esteem and confidence instead of all that noise in your head. So that's step number one. Step number two is that when they're ready to start experiencing men, notice how I don't use the word dating. I actually <laughs> ban my woman from using the word dating and relationship or looking for the one because when you go into these experiences and you're looking for the one, you're heading in the wrong direction. I, I call it the one degree off. This one, you're 180 degree off because you're, when you're looking for the one, you're now repeating the same old pattern. But if you go, if you look at these things as experiences, where each experience you go on, you are going to reclaim a part of yourself. Whether during this experience, you learn to ask for what you want on how to order, or you learn to not pick up the bill and let him take care of it, and you can sit there in comfort. That's really like a simple thing, Zach, but it's really hard for a lot of women to even let a man pay for their bill. They have to mm -hmm. like split it, share it. That's me. I had such low self-esteem that I just could not allow a man to pay for me. Anyway, so each, each one of the, of us women have a certain thing that we need to heal, a whole, our own list of things that we need to heal. So each, each engagement, you're going to discover something about yourself that you're going to take back. You're going to learn something all the way from a meal all the way to sex. And I actually encourage my women to have lots of sex, one night of sex, one time sex, and not the drunken kind, but the conscious kind where you actually sit down and you actually design with the, with the person what you want to experience with them so that they deliver it. I call it getting yourself service instead of going on a date. <laughs> mm. When a woman is, when a woman is well serviced, she is glowing and she has gained more confidence. When a woman tries to date, she keeps repeating the same old BS pattern. I love that. You know, I love shifting thinking from a divorce to the end of your life to a, a big wake up call. And I love the idea of shifting, uh, this idea of dating that I have to work really hard to go out there and find this one to using it one as a learning process, as a healing process, learning about oneself, and also as a fun and playful and adventurous process of discovery and new experiences and just self-serving. I call it my PhD program. So I encourage my women to write a different kind of profile. Don't write, I'm looking for the one who will walk to the, you know, like to go on walks and travel and blah, blah, blah. God, that is so boring. And you just <laughs> attract the same old bullshit. Start with getting really clear on who you are as a sexual being. I, I call it the PhD program because we as women need to separate out sex, love, and relationships. Up till now, we learned to clump them all together. 
We can't have sex unless we have a relationship. And then we call it love and it's all mushed together. And it's confusing like heck. And we think that, you know, getting married is the solution to everything. Yeah, look at how, look at what it got us, right? So we have to pull it apart and mm. just experiment. Understand who you are as a sexual being. Un- understand what you want and understand your own sexual power that you have, that we have locked up, give away and not understanding that. So take that back and l- allow men to come and service us and show us our own pleasure, show us that we're safe to be a sexual being in the world. So learn that. And then don't worry about love and don't worry about relationship. And I know, right about here, women go, but nay, I can't have sex without love. That's bullshit. That's because you don't <laughs> understand yourself and you don't know what love is. Anyway. Do you tell all your female clients to have casual sex? Um, or is this just a prescription for certain people that need to heal the sexual parts of their beings? Um, they have to be ready for it and they actually have to apply for this. Because um, I'm not, I'm not here to go. I did, never said casual sex. I said conscious sex. Uh. So right, so that's what most people will immediately mistake in what I say. They will say, "Oh, May, you just want me to go have casual sex? I can't have casual sex." Or I had casual sex when I was t- in my twenties. No, that's not the kind of sex I'm talking about. I mean conscious sex. I mean you write in the profile and say, "Hey, I am divorced." I don't even know who I am as a sexual being. I don't even know what turns me on anymore. I want to learn about myself. If you want to be part of my PhD program, apply below. You know, tell me what you can do to help me regain my, who I am as a sexual being. Show me, help me. That's a totally different conversation. Men want to serve us. They want to show us. They, they love, adore, and cherish us as is. They love it when we are in our own sexual being. And we keep shutting that down. So making it clear, having a clear contract, and have these experiences so that you can reclaim your voice, you can reclaim your body, you can reclaim your sexuality, and your power. Hmm. Yeah, I'm reminded of... There's a triangular theory of love, and the three points of the triangle are sex, intimacy, and commitment. And we, at different times in our life, we look for different things. And what I'm hearing from you is that something a divorce can be is a wake-up call, and it can also be a recognition that there's certain behavior that might be not serving you in terms of the relationships that you enter into or the behavior that you do once you're in the relationship. And as you help women heal from their divorce and enter into dating in a really powerful way, is we have to look at these factors. We have to look at whether there is dependence instead of just a healthy level of commitment. And also in healing the sexual aspects um, that might have been dysfunctional. There's so many. And it's not... Uh, I, I love how gentle and polite you are. There's there's a few aspects, or there might be. It's like, dude, there's a whole long list <laughs> of things that we do that doesn't help us. And for sure, we have a long list of woundedness and fear. You know, I'm too fat. I'm too old. I'm too I'm too whatever. And and I'm too unworthy of love. Mm. Underneath all of that is I'm unworthy of love. 
I throw myself away before anybody have a chance to. And yet you keep looking for love and you keep thinking that if you could find that man to love you the way you want, then you won't feel that way anymore. That's not true. He shows up hmm. all the time and then you throw him away too. Sad but true. We just have a little bit of time left. So I want to ask you a question I like to ask all my guests. And the first one is, what do you wish everyone knew about love? That love is plentiful. And what you want is right there in front of you. The only reason why you don't see it or don't have it is because mm. you don't know how to let it in. You don't know how to recognize it and you don't know how to let it in. That's beautiful. Love is all, all around us. It's all around us. It's abundant and it's in everybody. And there's a thousand soulmates for you out there, not just one. Beautiful. And then we talked a little bit about um, sex and how you help people have hot love and hot sex. So what do you wish everyone knew about sex? That sex belongs to you. It doesn't belong to your mother, your father, your church. Uh, your children, your, your ex, it belongs to you. You get to have your sex the way you want it. And it's your job to discover how you want it. Thank you, May. You're so insightful and I love your perspective. You're so welcome, and Dad. You're helping amazing people make their lives even more amazing. Um, thank you for coming on the show. How do people find you? My favorite way is just email me direct. May at maevucoach.com. And that will all be in our show notes afterwards. So thanks again for being on the show. Thank you again, everyone, for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Feel free to follow us on Facebook and Instagram and hop on our website at theheartcenter.com. And feel free to learn more about me at zachbeach.com. We hope you have a wonderful day and continue to see the love that is all around you all the time. Thanks again for listening to the Learn to Love podcast. To learn more about the show and your host, head over to ZachBeach.com or TheHeartCenter.com. You can also follow Zach on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.